Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today. And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or give them a call at 877-646-5347. Again, that number is 877-646-5347. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. The charges against Donald Trump are fake. That's it. Even CNN says they're underwhelmed, that there's no new information. What Bragg has done has made a mockery of the criminal justice system. That's me saying it, not CNN. CNN simply called it underwhelming. And we have the National Review saying Bragg's indictment even fails as an indictment. The novel legal theory that Bragg has put forward is this. When Donald Trump paid Stormy Daniels illicitly, that may have been a misdemeanor, but he was trying to conceal other crimes. Therefore, every single transaction ever made in relation to this is a felony. 34 felonies, 136 years in prison. The only problem, Bragg can't tell us what other crimes Donald Trump committed. He simply made it up. He said Trump was uh, falsifying statements and uh, that's a crime and uh, federal uh, contributions. And uh, when asked, he simply said, the law does not require me to actually justify what other crimes I'm alleging. In fact, the Constitution does. It's called the Sixth Amendment. You can't say this is almost this is the political equivalent of arresting someone for resisting arrest. Sorry, I know there's a lot of people who are like, well, sometimes you can resist arrest when you're not being arrested. So you got a guy out in the street and the cops walk up to him and they say, you're under arrest for resisting arrest. It's paradoxical. It's how am I how am I resisting arrest if I'm not under arrest and you're arresting me for resisting something I'm not under arrest for? This is exact, what is uh, exactly happening with Donald Trump right now. How are you indicting him for felonies in, in concealing something in the commission of another crime when there is no other crime? This is a dangerous precedent. And I'm going to put it this way. I, I think the United States is crumbling before our eyes. This is it. To stop the front runner of the Republican Party. They have brought false charges that are so plainly obvious, even CNN is like, uh, but they won't stop. You know why? Because CNN also did a poll that found while most Democrats, more than two thirds, believe it is political what they're doing to Trump, they also think it's a good thing. 
You know, up in Wisconsin, a liberal Supreme Court justice just won. In, uh, I'm sorry, in, in, in Wisconsin, a, a liberal Supreme Court justice just won. In Chicago, you had the far left candidate win the mayoral, mayoral race, which um, I predicted. Because people in Chicago, when you look at the maps, voted purely on racial lines. And so my prediction was it's clearly going to be an election based on race. When you look at the white college areas, they vote based on race inverted. That's the, um, the far left outgroup preference that we've seen in many polls. I think I, I just, you know, there's talk of a central bank digital currency coming up in July or whatever. I would not be surprised if there is a major banking collapse in a month or two. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. Personally, I am now going to start taking actions as though that is the reality. This country is done. I don't, you, can, you can disagree with me. You can argue with me. Comment below as to why you think it's not the case. But when you have people in a country that are cheering and waving flags, knowing these are false charges, but they don't care. Uh, that's civil war. You know, and and I'll say it again. I say it all the time. People think civil war is like the American Civil War because they can't get out of their own perspective. They've not read about what actual civil war looks like. Sure, a bunch of different sovereign states disagreeing on a federal union and then having their own standing armies resisting each other. That's not a classical civil war. That's the American disunionment. You know, that's when that's when the union of sovereign states went at each other. It's more akin to like this, the, the countries in Europe fighting with each other than a civil war. No, in a civil war, you have two or more factions fighting for control of a central authority. What do you think this is? The left faction knows, as CNN polling showed, that this is not legitimate, but they don't care because they're trying to destroy. They're trying to crush you and steal power. Let me read for you this article from the National Review and show you some data points. And uh, the only thing I can really say is get out of cities, have a family, make money. And I do see a path out of all of this with a Donald Trump 2024 victory and a gradual uh, shift in the culture through people who are moderate, conservative, libertarian, leaving these cities taking the power away from these individuals, taking the tax dollars away from these individuals, and just generally making that grassroots cultural shift, which in 20 years will dramatically change this country for the better. But let me read the story from National Review. Bragg's indictment even fails as an indictment. You know, before I do, let me show you what, uh, what Bragg actually had to say. Here you go. Might be a little quiet. Let's see if we can we can listen to this. So let me let me say as an initial matter that the indictment doesn't specify that because the law does not so require. Uh, in my remarks, I mentioned a couple of laws, which I will highlight uh, again now. Uh, the, the, the first is New York State election law, which makes it a crime uh, to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. 
I further indicated a, a number of unlawful means, including more additional false statements. Okay, so let's 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 slow down there a minute and see what Bragg just said. You see the layer upon layers. This is a crime because it's actually a crime committed in the commission of another crime. The other crime was a conspiracy to commit another crime, which is he lied about stuff. Layer upon layer upon layer. Including statements that were planned to be made to tax authorities. I also noted the federal election law cap on contribution uh, limits. But why weren't there... So that, that's basically it. And I want to stress this, and they, they mentioned in the National Review article, which we'll, we'll, we'll read now, Bragg has no authority to bring federal charges, and the feds didn't bring any charges, so there is no crime committed. You can't just say, in my opinion, the feds should have brought criminal charges, therefore a crime was committed. It's fake. That's it. The machine has been weaponized against you against Donald Trump. I don't I don't I don't see where we can go. Look, you want to talk about civil war. It could just be a revolution, as I've stated before, in that these individuals have seized power at the highest level and they continue to do so. And that's it. One day at a time, they take more and more power and they use lies and manipulation. And sometimes they just outright tell you that they are going to abuse you and abuse power. That's it. Here's the story from the National Review. They say, what a disgrace. It's always possible to be surprised the indictment brought by Manhattan's elected Democratic District Attorney Alvin Bragg against Donald Trump is even worse than, I'm, than I am, uh, I'd imagined. Bragg's indictment fails to state a crime, not once, but 34 times. And that ground alone, the case should be dismissed before one ever gets to the facts that the statute of limitations has lapsed and that Bragg has no jurisdiction to enforce the law. Bragg's indictment charges 34 counts based on media reporting that clearly came from illegal leaks of grand jury information, a crime, you can be sure, that goes in the overflowing bucket of serious offenses that Bragg refuses to prosecute. The 34 counts are arrived by taking what is a single course of conduct and absurdly slicing it into parts, each one of which is charged as a separate felony carrying its own potential four-year prison term. Trump reimbursed Michael Cohen in monthly installments during 2017 for the $130,000 paid to Stormy Daniels right before the 2016 election for her silence about an alleged affair. That in reality is a single transaction. Trump paying back a debt to Cohen. Yet because Trump paid in installments and each installment includes an invoice from Cohen, a bookkeeping entry by the Trump organization and a payment to Cohen by check, Bragg not only charges each, each monthly installment separately, he subdivides the installments into installments as if the invoice, book entry, and check were independent criminal events, voila, one transaction becomes 34 felonies. But I also want to make sure we stress, I want you to imagine this. You have a friend, and that friend buys burglar's tools, and uh, then they go rob a jewelry store in the middle of the night. Then one day, your friend, who is a carpenter by trade, sends you a bill for the remodeling work he had been doing in your garage. And you pay him back for that remodeling work. One day later, the district attorney files criminal charges against you for aiding and abetting a jewelry store robbery because the money that you were paying him was actually, as they attest, paying him for the burglar's tools. This is what they're doing. They're saying because Trump's lawyer filed invoices that he paid, those payments were actually for Stormy Daniels. You're cruising down the highway, windows rolled down, tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. 
Suddenly, your car sputters, coughs, and throws a wrench in your whole day. Tow trucks, repair bills, the dream turns into a nightmare. Don't wait until car trouble steals your peace of mind. Visit CarShield now at carshield.com slash carlson. For nearly 20 years, CarShield has helped millions of drivers avoid the stress of major repairs. They offer plans covering up to 5,000 parts and systems, from your engine and transmission to electronics and more, all for a low monthly rate that fits your budget. CarShield plans also include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, and rental options. Get peace of mind now. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. Visit now. Despite the fact that Cohen's own lawyer said it had nothing to do with Trump, he was never reimbursed for it. But then Cohen later came out and said, actually, I was. Yeah, sure. The whole premise here is that Michael Cohen alleges that the money he received was actually to pay off Stormy Daniels. That's the only that's the only case they have. They have taken a liar who had previously denied any of this, who flipped at his word and his word is the only evidence. That's it. Because otherwise you just have Trump paying legal fees for what? I don't know. That's the game. Now they've taken that alleged that there are more crimes that were never charged but exist. And therefore, these are all felonies and Trump should go to prison for 136 years. National Review goes on to say, this is exactly the sort of abusive behavior that rogue prosecutors engage in, and thus the Justice Department admonishes federal prosecutors to avoid. Okay, there's a solution here. Many people are a bit dejected, a bit upset over what happened in Wisconsin and Chicago. A liberal Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin has just secured the most important state, one of, for the 2024 election. Donald Trump, as Charlie Kirk pointed out, needs to win Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona. Tough spots. Unfortunately, with this liberal Supreme Court justice, it is widely believed that these dramatic election changes, which heavily favor Democrats, will be solidified, ossified, as it were. There is one simple solution. Any jurisdiction in which the Clinton Foundation operated, in which Barack Obama's campaign operated, can file criminal charges against them. So if you are a conservative in a red district and there is a campaign office for Barack Obama, you should file criminal charges against him. Play the game. Let's talk about um, the novel legal theories that you could entertain to push this criminal indictment. I don't know. Barack Obama uh, killed a kid. You can argue that uh, his reelection campaign was uh, 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 under false pretenses. Actually, I think, yeah, I, I think he killed Abdurrahman Alaki before he got reelected. So you should be able to argue that uh, he committed a murder and then just do what Bragg did. You know, Bragg just made it up, right? You see, this is the issue. The Democrats are fighting a civil war but they're fighting an unconventional fifth generational civil war. There is no uh, circumstance in my, in my view where armed factions will go around blowing up buildings and shooting at each other. That's, that's old school civil war when people didn't have any understanding of power dynamics. Now technology and social media play a much, a much uh, more outsized role in these things. Don't get me wrong, Antifa's going around firebombing buildings and things like that, but that's rogue and random. 
When you look at actual hot civil war, you see multiple factions with rifles just randomly shooting at each other, and it gets crazy. Then power starts to coalesce among multiple, a few, a smaller group of factions. They band together and things like that. I don't see that necessarily happening in the U.S. outside of what we're already seeing. I do think it's entirely possible we get to the point where there's shooting in cities, but I'm saying it's not going to look like Syria. What's going to happen is we are in a fifth generational civil war. Fifth generational warfare is psychological manipulation. What Alvin Bragg is doing is perfectly on par. A loophole, a manipulation, and the knowledge Donald Trump will surrender. Donald Trump will walk right in and play their game. At a certain point, there has to be active resistance within the legal system as the game they play. That is to say, Donald Trump, in my opinion, should not have surrendered. He should have filed an emergency legal challenge, and he should have said, you will not extradite me for Florida. These charges are not legitimate. You can't have, in my opinion, a prosecutor make up a fake crime and then make you pay money to go surrender. Now, of course, Donald Trump is saying he's raised $10 million from this. His polls are skyrocketing. But I think if we are going to win this one, Trump probably would have had to just say, no, you will not. I will not have a nice day. Here's what I think would happen. If Donald Trump said, don't know, don't care, right? Send me your legal paperwork and we'll talk about it. The idea that Trump voluntarily contacted New York and decided to surrender is, is, is hilarious to me. If some other country, if some other state claims you did a wrong thing, my response is, okay, when you can provide legal justification for extradition from a state, then we'll talk. Bragg didn't do that. Trump chose. So you know what, man? You know, part of me is just like, whatever. Here it all comes crashing down. Because the Democrats just outmaneuver the Republicans every step of the way. And then what's going to happen is you're going to see something like January 6th, where a bunch of disorganized, ignorant individuals once again engage in street level violence, which gives Democrats exactly what they want, which is why I've been screaming this well before January 6th. Do not play that game. The game that needs to be played is a conservative in a red district saying, Joe Biden ran a campaign office here. Therefore, we have jurisdiction over anything he did at the federal level for this federal election. And then indict him. Right now. Do it. You know what? We have a local DA in New York. Local. Local. At the lowest level. Filing these criminal charges against Trump that are clearly made up. Causing Trump to play this game. Trump doesn't know what he's doing. Sorry. It's about time someone like Trump, he, he should have he should have gave a speech and said, I do not recognize the legal authority of a Soros DA. No one, including uh, liberal legal analysts, believe these charges are legitimate, as we have right here from Mediate. Underwhelming. CNN legal analyst unimpressed by Trump charges as there's not more to it. Nothing here. No new details, no new information. Simply put, a crime that, if it existed, had a statute of limitations of two years, has been extended to seven. And Trump said, well, I guess I'll submit. Whatever, man. Donald Trump submitted to them. The argument is, people are saying, 
This is the game they want Trump to play. They want Trump to resist. Okay, well, so long as Trump just says, I will do whatever you tell me, then we don't have any meaningful opposition. So long as conservative district attorneys ignore the crimes committed by, say, Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama, we don't have uh, we don't have any meaningful resistance. We have a bunch of whinging Internet personalities, myself included, who are complaining about things that will never change. Give it 10 years and it's done. The Democrats will solidify uniparty rule, single party Democrat rule, and that's it. The country will become akin to Chicago or San Francisco. In Chicago, Republicans haven't won a meaningful election in like 100 years. California has become a uniparty, single party state. Democrats control everything and people are so dumb they keep voting for the same people. You will see North Korea style single party rule. And it's because we don't have any strong leadership. Donald Trump tells people to go peacefully protest. A bunch of morons riot at the Capitol. And then the media gets exactly what they want. It's disunion. It's disorganization. I know a lot of people are probably saying, well, what are you doing about it, Tim? Fair point. I completely agree. Here I am sitting in my uh, proverbial castle complaining to a camera. And the most I'm doing is talking about it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm trying to build culture. We're trying to uh, influence at at, at a great level. And I suppose the challenge is, you know, people have talked about Tucker Carlson running for office, and the issue is he's too influential. The idea that he, and to a much, much, much smaller degree, I, would abandon our post speaking out about these things would actually weaken the, uh, the ability, the, the, the meaningful resistance that we have so little of already. That is to say, you know, I would never want to be in politics. But if I were ever to run for any kind of meaningful office, it would mean that the 60 plus million viewers every month are now without. Suppose there's a potential argument of running for office and doing the show, you know, in some fashion. A bunch of uh, politicians have podcasts and maybe maybe that's the, the, the what needs to happen, I guess. But I don't know. I can't imagine a, a, a world in which I'm in any kind of meaningful office. And the only reason I bring that up is because... I don't see anyone, anyone resisting. I mean, to be fair, like a little bit, sure. But when Donald Trump faces a state level, a local level indictment, he says, let me spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to come down and bow before you. That's what he did. Flying that jet from Florida to New York. The cost on that alone has got to be 200,000. You get a private jet, private broker, a private charter from Florida to New York, you're looking at 100 grand round trip. Trump's flying on a 757. That flight alone cost probably $200,000. And he was willing to spend it because a local Soros DA made fake charges against him. And he said, OK, I will do whatever you tell me. Look, man, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend that uh, I know better than Trump. Maybe he's got a plan for all of this. Maybe there's a strategy in what he's doing. Maybe he knows that this is embarrassing them. Whatever. My view is the Democrats know there's nothing here. They don't care. They are saying, come here, get in the cage or else. And Trump said, "Okay, okay, okay. let me come by. Let me come by. Trump's been ordered to return on December 4th. So that's Nothing's going to happen here, not for a long time. 
But Trump will be convicted. I mean, it's possible he's not. I don't know. I would just argue right now things are only getting worse. And what's going to happen is you are going to have a Manhattan jury and they are going to say to themselves during deliberations, they're going to say, I know you all agree that Donald Trump didn't do anything here, but we stand before literal Hitler and a chance to stop him. So how about we just say guilty, no matter what the circumstances are, and lock him up? He is in that room. We do it now. They remand him. You see, Donald Trump, when he's convicted, will be sitting in court with a grumpy look on his face. The jury will walk in and say, we find the defendant guilty on all charges. The judge will then smile, bang the gavel and say 136 years, Trump. And then Trump will be carried off instantly to be sentenced. And even if he does end up winning somehow, he uh, he can't pardon himself at the state level. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. Now, what actually might happen is the judge might say 136 years is a bit extreme for a federal record for a records violation. But these are serious charges. And what you've done, Mr. Trump, is is damaged our country irrevocably. So I'm going to recommend a lower sentence because there must be some punishment. And I say six years. I'm being lenient on you or maybe two years, two years in prison. Slap on the wrist based on the 136 years he's facing. And then Trump will be immediately carried off to jail where he will not be able to campaign. He will not be able to post on truth. He will be silent. That's what they want. And if this doesn't work, you've got the D.C. charges. You've got the Georgia charges. They will not stop. This is what, you're, what, what, uh, what we're dealing with. A rogue faction and a bunch of American citizens know full well what they're doing has no merit, but they don't care. Why? What's, what are conservatives going to do about it? They're sitting in their uh, New York liberal social clubs laughing, knowing, yeah, the charges are bunk, but who cares? We won. As the saying goes, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. In the world, uh, all is fair in love and uh, in war, right? If we're talking about winning a civil war or a culture war or a cold civil war, if you are not doing everything in your power to win, you will lose. And I hope every Republican and every conservative hears this. And I hope anyone who has any connection or, or knows any prosecutor, DA or, or politician tells them if they don't see it themselves. 
You must go within the law and use the exact same legal theories to criminally charge Democrats. Now, every single one of you, you want to win the culture war? You want to put a stop to this? If every conservative DA drew up charges against the Biden campaign, the Obama administration right now, right now, and then filed 73 indictments in 73 jurisdictions, each with 57 counts of felonies against Clinton and Obama, you know what would happen? They would drop this instantly. You call their bluff. You re-raise them. When they say, we've got 34 charges on Trump, Trump folds like a cheap suit. Let me show up. This is unjust. You know what I'd do? If I was Trump, I'd go to Florida and say, as soon as the word was coming down about the grand jury, which we've known about for a while, I'd say, where are the charges you will be filing against Bragg, against them, against Joe Biden? Do it. And then when they drop the 34 charges against me, at the same time, you announce 60 charges against Joe Biden. Do it. There's so much Biden could be indicted for. I'm not saying convicted. I'm saying indicted. So do it. I'm just, you know what, man? That's where the real power probably lies right now. A a simple, small time county prosecutor can file criminal charges against any politician who campaigned in their district, in their county, in their state. They have the jurisdiction. So there you go. File the charges. The gloves are off. I'm not kidding. We need to get every single conservative leaning prosecutor to file the charges. It's 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 now or never. I think you do this. The Democrats fold. You've got to push back, challenge them, see if they're really willing to go forward with this when it means the same thing happens to them. And, you know, it's not even that. I think the uh, prosecutors should go after Black Lives Matter leaders because where'd that money go? There's big questions about the missing money. They should go after anyone organizing for Antifa. Look at Georgia. Look at the people who cross state lines there. But you know what I think? I think the right is comprised of a lot of cowards. I mentioned this the other day on Timcast IRL. I love how conservatives call the left soy boys. These soy boys with the pink hair and their gaunt bodies and their soy diets go out firebombing buildings for their cause. And they're called soy boys. Meanwhile, conservative strong men sit in their homes and say, I'd better not say anything because I could lose my job. Oh, how brave. Yo, the soy boys are, have, have more tenacity and courage than your average conservative. Isn't that a crazy thought? That there are people who are like, I have too much to lose. They don't have any kids. They don't have families. They have nothing to lose. You're at a disadvantage. I get it. But don't call a dude who's willing to go to prison for life a soy boy. That's the craziest thing to me. It's like this frail, effeminate, low T male. haha, what a loser. And I'm like, yeah, and he just firebombed a building and got federally charged for it for the first time. That's the, that's the, those are the lengths they're willing to go. Conservatives aren't. I mean, it's a good thing. We don't want conservatives going around firebombing things. Don't get me wrong. These people should be criminally charged. What I'm saying is you want to call that guy a soy boy and he's willing to go to such extreme lengths to actually kill people. And all we are saying is conservative prosecutors and conservatives, you should be calling those prosecutors. The prosecutor should file some charges. 
Where yet? Now I know, I know. I got a super chat the other day. They said there's not very many of us. I get it. I get it. But there are enough. What about in like Lauren Boebert's district? What about in any red state? Conservatives are weak. That's just it. So I don't know what you expect. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Ladies and gentlemen, we have shocking and breaking news. As reported by the Post Millennial, Leonardo DiCaprio testifies that CCP-linked Malaysian financier, now a fugitive, sent $30 million to Obama during the 2012 campaign. Quote, he told me that he, or he and a group, were going to make a significant contribution to the Democratic Party. I said, wow, that's a lot of money. Now, according to Leonardo DiCaprio's testimony, it is that this Malaysian financier wanted to give the money. Not that he did or was in the process of doing so. DiCaprio said he told me he wanted to. But there's some important factors to consider as to the post-millennials headline in which they said Leonardo DiCaprio testifies that he sent 30 million to Obama. Well, according to other outlets, because I think details matter, disgraced financier tried to funnel $30 million to Obama, says Leonardo DiCaprio. The appropriate headline is that Leonardo DiCaprio testifies he wanted to do this thing. However, I think it's fair to say that the allegation is that he did do this thing as that as there is a current criminal trial underway for the thing being done. That is to say, this individual told Leonardo DiCaprio he wanted to send this money to the Democrats, and now they're criminally charging a dude for having helped facilitate the transfer of the funds to Democrats. Innocent until proven guilty. However, I have some serious concerns here. Um, Notably, the Obama administration's involvement in such a scheme, how the money made its way to the Democrats or Obama. And thus, I have to wonder if those payments that Obama was making to his legal counsel could have in fact been reimbursement or laundering. You know, um, Barack Obama has a legal team that had been invoicing him. And I think it's fair to assume that Barack Obama was actually paying these le- these lawyers these false uh, under these falsified invoices in an effort to funnel money to them so that he could facilitate this um, illegal foreign contribution. Of course, you understand that I'm being somewhat facetious in what I'm asserting here. What I will say in all seriousness is, If you know or are an investigator or a state's attorney or a district attorney or whatever, you should immediately begin the investigative process right now, the process by which an indictment will come against the Obama administration, against Barack Obama himself, and against anyone who worked on his campaign. Now, I know, I know. Many people are going to say, Tim, what are you talking about? You're going to be hard pressed to find any paper trail. Oh, okay. Like Donald Trump paying a lawyer a retainer fee gets turned into he illegally paid money. You see, they made that up. It's like, I got a lawyer. He sends me invoices. It says hours billed on it. I don't know. And I'm like, I'm on the phone with the guy. I call him on the phone. He then racks up charges against me for talking to him on the phone. So what they do is Trump then pays the invoice and they say, aha, that proves you were you were funneling money. He's paying his lawyer. Okay, let's play the same game. Barack Obama should be indicted for this. 
because I'm sure you'll find some dubious connection between him and this guy who's funneling money to him. Here you go. Hey, if those are the rules the Democrats created, I'm, I'm, I say we play that game. The Post Millennial reports. Movie star Leonardo DiCaprio took the stand in a federal trial on Monday that seeks to hammer down the details of what appears to be a money funneling scheme that features a Malaysian financier funneling tens of millions of dollars through a prominent 90s rap artist for the purpose of donating to former President Barack Obama's 2012 re-election campaign. DiCaprio plays into the saga because he was said to have partied with Joe Lowe, a Malaysian financier who apparently suggested to DiCaprio during a conversation that he intended to contribute to Obama's presidential campaign. DiCaprio said it was a casual conversation about what party he was in support of. I told him what party I was in support of, and he told me that he or he and a group were going to make a significant contribution to the Democratic Party. I said, wow, that's a lot of money. Prakazrel Praz, uh, Michael, probably pronouncing his name wrong, founder of the Fugees, has been recruited by Lowe in an effort to funnel money to Obama's reelection bid because foreigners are not allowed to contribute to U.S. campaigns. And this is according to a current criminal charge, now innocent until proven guilty, I will add. The report indicated that Michael had taken tens of millions of dollars to lobby the government on behalf of the Chinese government. However, it turns out that much of the money was stolen. Lowe is now being accused of embezzling $4.5 billion from 1MDB, Malaysia's state investment fund per Reuters. Lowe reportedly helped fund the film The Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Prosecutors have claimed that Michael received over $20 million from foreign accounts, which were then passed off to 20 straw donors from June to November 2012, according to the Post. These donors were believed to have made the contributions to the Obama campaign in their names so that the money could not be tracked back too low. Well, you know, I don't know if I believe that because there's a cap on how much you can give, but potentially the money could be funneled to super PACs. Let's talk about what's currently going on. They say Michael was apparently paid $70 million for assistance to low. As a result, the Fuji's artist is now facing 11 criminal counts of attempting to influence the Obama and Trump administrations, per the report. Prosecutors have also noted that the artist is being accused of attempting to interfere with Trump's investigation into Lowe. Surprise, surprise. The Democrats are just better at this. They got patsies, you know. This guy will take the fall. They'll say Obama had no idea what was going on. Okay, fine. Fair point. Maybe Obama had no idea what was going on. Let's play another game. James O'Keefe. Oh, we got a series of tweets here. He says, Clinton is great. He's not talking about Hillary or Bill. He's talking about Clinton Rary. He reached out to us to get on the names check uh, uh, to, to get out to get. Okay. He reached out to us on, I don't know, there's a typo there, and the names check out on FEC data. The vision is coming together. Reach out to us and let's keep knocking on doors. All right. Here's a video. Clinton Rary says, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I decided to look into Act Blue in Austin, Texas. I spoke with Anne, who is an who is 80 plus years old, living in a retirement home. Over the last six years, according to FEC, she made 26,143 donations, or about 12 donations per day, for 2,190 days straight on average. 
totaling $161,541.70 in donations. Either someone is making donations on her behalf, has access to her bank account, or Act Blue is using the elderly to launder money to politicians. Well, perhaps, but it may not be uh, Act Blue using the elderly. It may be that someone is using Act Blue to launder money. I will say this one time. Well, I've actually said it several times, but I'm going to say it here in context, in this context of what James O'Keefe has uncovered. If you are a conservative or moderate district or states or county, whatever attorney, prosecutor, seeing these tweets, if you do not take action, then you are complicit. We need right now all of you to contact your local DAs, wherever these stories that James O'Keefe is producing and say, I demand an investigation into this. Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is fairly liberal. It's fairly liberal, so maybe you won't get anything done. But this is how the game is being played. It is a fifth generational civil war. Chicago has been under Democrat authority for like 100 years. This means that you're not going to get a prosecutor or a mayor or any politician who will act against the single party control. This may be the last chance you have. In these states, it appears, in these jurisdictions, these donations are, are, are coming through. The question is, who's making them? How is it, how, how is it that this one individual has 26,000 donations? She denies it. In the, in the video, she says outright, I, I didn't make these donations. I didn't make that. That's crazy. Of course she didn't. 12 per day for years? So who's doing it? Well, you see, the issue is in this jurisdiction, prosecutor ain't going to go after these people. They're not going to look into it. It's going to require federal action. I would only say this. The challenge, of course, is going to be that Democrats can funnel money through Act Blue. A portion goes to Act Blue, which funds them. They can then contribute whatever they want. And it's going to empower Democrats in these areas, locking down their control of these jurisdictions. And so long as a Republican or conservative can't get in, there will never be accountability. Of course, you would then say this is what the point of the federal government is. Sure. But is not the same thing happening at the federal level? Do you think Merrick Garland is going to go after his cohorts in his communist party? Of course not. This tweet was in relation to another video from James O'Keefe, which I want you all to uh, listen to. We have our latest citizen journalist showing another example of unclaimed contributions through Act Blue. An inquisitive detective with Brightline Investigations for Election Watch brought us the latest unwitting contributor, this time for Richard Schauert of Winnicone, Wisconsin. Let's hear what he has to say. You can step in if you want to. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much, ma'am. Hi there, are you Richard, sir? Yes, that's me. My name's Kyle Corrigan. I'm with Brightline Investigations. I'm a private detective. Just had a couple of questions here. I've been hired by an election watch company, and they noticed that your name was on a Federal Elections Commission um, that's donated several thousand dollars. In the last seven years, you've apparently donated 8,333 times um, to elections. Wow. That many? I know I did donate a lot. That, is, that seems a little high. Yeah. That seems too high. Maybe 800. Okay. But not 8,000. No. no, there must be an error there. No, I, I can't believe it. I, I was Okay. I'm a generous donor, I grant you that. Sure. But nothing like 8000 no. Okay. So, but just once a month is all you're donating, as oh, far yeah, as you know? Yeah, Well, Well, once a month for, you know, right. up to the election. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, right. 
So 12 times a year, you know. Yeah, it's, 12 times a year. Okay. Yeah, that, that little bit of something else, yeah, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, I say maybe over the period of seven years, yeah, maybe yeah. 800 donations all time. But that's, that's 10 times, you know, what, what yeah. it should be then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's way out of the line. That's not... But I'll, I'll, I'll look through some of my old records and see if I can find it. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Richard. Oh, no. As we were producing this piece... We received additional footage from citizen journalist Kyle Corrigan out in the field. Here's what Wisconsin residents Sidney Grossberg and Dale Wing had to say when asked about their alleged contributions. We, we obtained this from uh, Election Watch. I was hired by an attorney with Election Watch to interview several different residents in the state of Wisconsin that had some significant amounts of political donations in their name. The information that I have is in the last seven years, it said that you've donated 10,989 times. Over how many years? Seven years. So it Good comes Lord. out to about four times a day that you're donating. Wow. That's what we thought, too. You're one of the highest. To my knowledge, I don't think that I gave that kind of information concerning my... Right, but 10,000 times, I'm reasonably certain that you would have seen some sort of charges on there that you thought, you know, this looks odd. This recurring charge is, this would be like four times a day. For your particular amount of donations, that would be four times a day that they're making this every single day of the week, 24-7, 365. Nobody I've spoke to yet has actually had any unauthorized transactions on their account. What you told me is startling, 99.9%. I put on one credit card. Well, I confess. I confess that I have no concept. Eleven thousand donations. Eleven thousand donations. You made four thousand eighty-five donations in the last seven years. Do you know if that's a, is it accurate? That doesn't sound accurate. Four thousand. Yeah, so 4000 not just $4,000, but 4085 donations. So that's about almost two a day, I guess, in the last seven years. So no, okay. do you have a, like a ballpark idea of how, about how many times you have donated? Okay. Like a couple hundred or something like that or some of the other folks I've spoken to they've they do like a, a monthly donation where it's automatically withdrawn from their accounts and things oh, like I that I think uh, I speaking with you ma'am I think nice we, we get the well. point on these videos James O'Keefe and his O'Keefe media group have been recruiting young citizen journalists I shouldn't say young just citizen journalists to go around and ask these questions so my question is simply where are the uh, investigations where are the prosecutions where are we, uh, uh, where, where, where are any of the district attorneys or prosecutors to actually start digging into this to fight back and stop what appears to be overt corruption? I'll sit here and say it every day. If we don't have any, we lose. We have this tweet from Greg Price. He says, Wisconsin now has a Supreme Court that is going to strike down voter ID, bring back ballot harvesting before 2024. It was the most important election of the year, and conservatives allowed themselves to get heavily outspent and didn't even notice until it was too late. Jane Protasiewicz, probably pronouncing it wrong, Protasiewicz, and liberal groups spent $23.3 million on this race. 
George Soros gave $1 million to Wisconsin Dems right before the election. Conservatives only spent $17.6 million, with Dan Kelly himself only spending $2.2. Total disaster. This can't happen in a race where the stakes are so high. And no, we didn't lose because it was rigged. Conservatives lost because our voters didn't turn out to vote. Complete disaster at every level. And now election integrity in a key swing state is in doubt for 2024. I mean, here it is. When all is said and done, Janet Protasiewicz will likely have broken 40% in Waukesha County. This is the bleeding heart of the Wisconsin Republican Party. There you go. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. He says, our opposition has built up a massive political and, mo- uh, political and money machines designed to drive out votes. They are laser focused on winning. It seems like the only person on our side who was doing anything was once again, Scott Pressler. We keep losing elections because we are being out fundraised, out ground gamed, out messaged and outmanned by our opponents. Conservatives need to stop waving white flags and fix it. Now this crazy lady is in charge of the court in Wisconsin. Okay, here's what you can do. Research what Scott Pressler does. Copy him. Simply put, going around registering voters. Or you can reach out to Scott Pressler and help him do his work. There's more. If you find that you are an individual of means, you can team up with someone like Scott Pressler. I don't know what else you should or, or shouldn't do. I can simply say this. There are so many people who watch these videos who want to win. The Democrats have to spend money to win because most of their voters are just ignorant. The advantage that we have is that we have people like you who are motivated in trying to figure out how to win. You don't need money for ideology. While the Democrats certainly have their crackpots who are ideologically driven within the cult, I believe there are more individuals who are disaffected liberals, libertarians, or conservatives who are willing to step up and donate their time and energy to winning. That's an advantage I think Democrats don't have. Democrats rely on ignorant voters who vote by mail. They rely on activists to ballot chase and ballot harvest. Okay, it's time that uh, uh, the Freedom Faction does that thing as well. So all of you who are listening, you say, but what can I do? You don't need money to go take a walk and knock on doors. You don't need money to contact someone like Scott Pressler and say, what can I do to help you? It's funny because even Greg Price points out Scott Pressler seems to be the only one doing anything about this. But I'll say what we need now. Ground game. Oh, you bet. I don't think all is lost simply because Wisconsin elected this lady. I think it shows that moderate regular Americans are completely removed from the revolution that is happening before our eyes. And uh, it'll get bad. Now, part of me thinks this. There's a tweet says the reason this election happened like like this is because Gen Z voted. This is what conservatives don't get. It is 2023 and you are getting a wave of new cult member Gen Z voters. I keep warning the Republicans. If you listen to Tim Castile, you heard me say it. When these kids turn 18, they will vote and they are all going to vote far left. But you know what? Apparently abortion is the big issue. Hey, look, I'm not a conservative. I've never been staunchly pro-life. I've always been moderately pro-choice. I don't believe in absolute abortion, whatever you want, but this is a huge driving factor, they say. Okay, well, look, I'd prefer it if people weren't getting abortions, right? At the same time, I recognize if I ain't winning that fight, I ain't crying about it. 
politically. I know many of you may lament the death of these children, and that's a very serious issue. I get it. Politically, these people are killing off their own kids. Okay, it's horrible when you view it that way. But the end result is a future that is dominated by conservatives. Mathematically, they cannot keep winning. I think of it like a dolphin in the depths of the ocean. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Swimming faster and faster to the, towards the surface and then breaching into the air, getting six, seven feet of air and then falling right back down. Where we are right now is the breach period. The dolphin has launched into the air, but it is impossible for it to stay up there. The Democrats are winning a lot of these fights, and it is impossible for them to stay up there. It's impossible. They will terminate the lives of their own children and sterilize them. They're losing in the schools because more and more conservatives are getting out of cities and homeschooling their kids. So they will try to indoctrinate your kids, but they're clearly losing. And that's been a big problem for them. Give it 20 years. I don't see them winning in this. However, before they do ultimately lose, perhaps they get violent. Here's what I think. I think the night is always darkest before the dawn. And Greg Price is highlighting this and we are talking about it. And more and more people are going to get active. I think there's a strong chance that Trump wins in 2024 for a variety of reasons. Republicans understand now the power of ballot harvesting. They're beginning to build that infrastructure. It may very well work. Ballot chasing and harvesting where it's legal. And then if Trump wins and drops the hammer on the corruption, the system could be fixed. The corrupt left could be marginalized. And then as they abort and sterilize their own children, eventually their ideology will cease to exist. That's it. As more and more conservatives have children, markets will start saying, If there are six conservatives and four liberals, I make more money by catering to conservatives. That's the future when you have kids. Simply put, there is one way to win the culture war effectively, decisively, and all be all. And it is for you to have like 10 children. I know it sounds crazy, right? That's literally it. Have like 10 kids. Now, I know a lot of people like, Tim, where are your kids? Well, you know, we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Matt Walsh was recently speaking at a university, I believe. I believe this is at NMSU, Las Cruces, New Mexico, sparking protests. And while he was there, he spoke with several transgender individuals and leftist activists. The videos you may have seen, they've gone viral. And I think uh, I think you should hear them if you haven't. So I want to play for you two clips. But I also want to provide for you my commentary and explain my view on uh, Matt Walsh's statements pertaining to these individuals. In this video, Matt Walsh says, I asked a trans woman to explain how he knows that he's a woman. The answer was about as coherent as you'd expect. Following up, he says, I've had a few conservatives already message me to tell me that I ruined his exchange by being cruel and telling this trans person that he looks like a man. But there's no cruelty in it. He does look like a man. He's lying to himself. And he's the one who put his identity on the table for discussion. I'm not going to lie to these people. I will tell them the frank truth and I'll tell it to their face. There is no other way. And I'm actually shocked by that. And I believe it 
Matt Walsh isn't mean at all in this exchange. In another exchange, Matt Walsh says a trans EMT tried to use his medical training to prove that sex is not binary. He ran into trouble when I asked him how he'd respond to a patient with a penis who claims he's having a miscarriage. These are really great videos. And I think it needs to be said, look, this individual who shows up, the trans woman, and wants to assert that they are correct and what they say is true, have, has opened up the floor for debate on their identity. And I think it's fine if they want to live the way they live and they want to believe the things they believe. But I believe Matt Walsh is correct. Let me play for you this exchange. They're both a few minutes long, and I will provide my commentary as they go on, because you you've, you've may have seen this, but you should definitely watch this. And so I'm going to say you, you wouldn't fool me at all. I mean, I see a man 100 um, percent, and I think that most people would. Now, the- now notice when Matt Walsh says, I see a man 100 percent, the trans woman has this look of like, huh? The point being made here is that the trans women said that they know they're a woman because people all around them, their friends, their family, tell them they see them as a woman. Let me let me play the video for you. The, the fact the fact that you have people in your life who are saying to you, oh, you're totally a woman. It's exactly what I'm talking about. No one in my life has ever once said to me, you're totally a man, Matt. You know, if my if 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 a friend of mine called me on the phone and said, listen, Matt, I want you to know you're really a man. I would think that there was something wrong with him. I would say, why are you saying that at all? It doesn't make any sense. So the fact that there's <laughs> something wrong with him. I, uh, that's interesting. Could you imagine someone calling you and be like, John, you're a guy. I'd be like, okay, is, is something wrong? Like, I don't understand. This is a conversation to begin with tells me it only, it only proves the point that I'm trying to make, that, the, that your identity, even in your own mind, is up for, it's something that you need to be assured of. Now, what I, what I would like to ask you, again, because you're standing here, and, and so uh, you've brought your identity on the table for discussion. So uh, how, did you, how do you know that you're a woman? I want to pause here and say this is the important element of the video. This is the individual explaining how they came to know that they were a woman, but they never actually described feelings of womanhood. You'll hear this individual go on to say they think they're a woman. They feel they're a woman because they share an experience with transgender people, not with women, as Matt, Matt Walsh later points out. Uh, it was first when I heard transgender persons describe their experience in their own words. And this was only about two years ago. Uh, hearing somebody describe things, it was a woman from like England, describing her experience, her childhood, uh, her teenage years. And it blew my mind to be listening to her because it was just some podcast that I was listening to while I was like doing laundry. And I want to stop here and make sure you understand the context. He's talking about a biological male when he says she and her. But it blew my mind to hear somebody so eloquently and precisely describe things that I had experiences what that was I the had experienced. What did they say? Um, okay. So... I am honestly hesitant. I know that you touched earlier about the difficulty that transgender women might have in describing their identity, but I want to state, I honestly don't feel that you would engage in this conversation in good faith. Lie, full stop. This is the game. They can't define what it is. This individual goes on to explain that after listening to a podcast and hearing a trans person talk about being trans, he now thinks he's a woman. But hold on. If a trans person says, here's my experience and here's what I am, wouldn't you then just say you were a trans person, not, in fact, a woman? 
but a trans woman. And that's fine. You can be whatever you want. Notice right here the deflection. Matt Walsh said, you, here, let, me, let me just play it for you. But why are you here? So why did you stand up to talk to me if you don't want to have a conversation? Yep. You're, you're saying that you discovered that you're a woman. I'm asking you how you did. That's a very fair question. Okay, okay. How do you know that you're a woman? That's fine. All right. So first of all, listening to transgender people, and it was like, okay, this is a one-off, you know, one person describing these things. Um, things like looking at yourself in the mirror and not recognizing yourself. Full stop. A lot of people go through that. There are various forms of body dysmorphia, and that does not mean you are the opposite gender or a different race. I want to I wanna, uh, elaborate on, this, on these points being made as well. When uh, Matt Walsh previously said, no one ever called me up and said, Matt, you're a man. I never needed anyone to affirm me. One of the, one of the challenging things in my life was, as many of you know, I come from a mixed race background. And I bring that up specifically because of what the left is and how it affects their arguments. No one in my life, there was never a moment where it was strongly a, a, a matter to me of what my race was. And I hear this from the left all the time when it comes to critical race theory, that white people don't have to, don't have to ever think about race. And that's white privilege. And it's like, okay, well, I grew up in a mixed race area with a mixed race family, and we did have to sort of think about it, but it never played a role in how I decided to make moves in my life. I didn't stop and think, well, you know, if I go into this space that is mostly Mexican, they're going to like, no, it's never an issue. I never went to, uh, say, Pilsen, for instance, in Chicago, Mexican neighborhood, go to a Mexican restaurant. I never had them insult me and be like, "Uh oh, the gringos here. They never said anything. I'd go in and I'd order food in Spanish if I could. It was fun. Never go to Mexican restaurants. They smile on their face. They say, would you like the food? Can't speak Spanish. They would be endearing. It was it's so weird the world these people live in. But let me play more. Uh, hearing compliments like you are such an example, like a positive masculine role model. And just hearing that and being like, you know, it feels like they're talking about somebody else. Uh yes, this is called self-doubt and a lack of self-esteem, not because you're a woman. It, and, 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 and it is kind of strange because I've never heard that either. So hold on. Uh, how many of you, and you can comment below, how many of you dudes have had someone ever come up to you and say, you are a shining example of masculinity? I just, even Matt Walsh with the beard, I don't think experiences that. Um, it means feeling alone, even when you're surrounded by guys, even when you have a lot of friends. And I was active in like Boy Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout. Uh, I had great masculine role models my whole life. And yet I never felt like I belonged. I felt welcome and but included. Why, why does that make you a woman? Uh, because As opposed I, to just a, a man who doesn't get along with some other men or a man who's, who's, who's depressed, or a man who doesn't feel at home totally in his body, which, by the way, is a, is a pretty universal human experience. Everybody goes through it at one time or another. So, so in what way does that make you a woman, though? And you, you, it, It's interesting. You're, you're telling me that you listen to the experiences of other transgender people. Well, yeah. But what about women? So... Because you, trans women are women, you would say, right? I would say that, yeah. Exactly the same? Yes. Okay, well, then why well, do you need to hear the testimony of trans quote unquote, trans women. Like how, how, how you pick any, any actual woman in this room. In, in what way do you know that you belong in the same category as them? Uh, I know because they tell me. So here was the- You need them to tell you what you are? Women, yes. I trust the opinions of the women around and me. If most it's women, incredible, you might try it sometime. If most women voted- You, you hear that snark? This is, this is common and 
In the next exchange, which is more important, when Matt Walsh is talking to the EMT, I think you can actually see the doubt in this individual's mind as they're realizing they're wrong. What I think we're seeing here is a depressed individual being affirmed into some kind of uh, category or, or lifestyle because they don't have. Let me, put, let me put it this way. This individual said, I don't feel right in my body. I don't feel I don't feel like I belong. And Matt Walsh says, how is that different from anyone else who's just depressed or doesn't get along with guys? Now, think about the exploitation here. And I don't necessarily think it's intentional, but an individual who is confused, depressed, doesn't fit in, is then told by a bunch of women, take hormones, sterilize yourself, act in this way, and we will then accept you. This individual is being affirmed. Wouldn't that feel great? Finally, people are coming to you and saying, hey, 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 do this thing and you're good. Well, it's like love bombing. It's what cults do. Let's play more. And said they don't see you as a woman. Would you say I'm not a woman anymore? If who? If most women voted and said they don't see you as a woman anymore, would you then relent and say I'm not a woman? I would say most people on the planet have no idea who I am. I'm going to trust the opinions of the people who've spent their lives with me. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, you, But you are relying on other people to tell you who you are, is what we're establishing. For context, I know you like to think, I know you like to say, um, I know you like to say uh, everybody's raw, rawing and supporting transgender people and yet they're still killing themselves, etc., um, but I'm standing here in a room full of people applauding you and asking questions like, how can I like put out legislation here in New Mexico, you know, my home state I grew up in, to try to reverse transgenderism? Like, I'm not safe. And it How are you wasn't... not safe? You just said you're standing in a room with people who disagree with you and you're perfectly fine. So how are you not safe? <laughs> like, I, okay, look, we're, we're going round and round you. <laughs> You don't want to answer any of the questions. Maybe they're, we'll... they're unable to. Matt, let me say this. And I think most of you already understand it. You don't even need me to, to opine on it. What we see is all the same thing. This individual doesn't fit in. It happened to the best of us. It happens to most of us. I clearly don't fit in with a lot of people. So I did my own thing. But I suppose there is a, a combination of factors in my life which led me to being where I am as opposed to this individual being where they are. When I was younger and I didn't quite fit in, I didn't play sports, wasn't necessarily the popular kid. I was probably more, I don't even know how to describe myself when I was a kid. I don't know. I, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't go to high school, so maybe I don't really understand. I was there for like two months and then left. In grade school, I wasn't like on the sports teams or the popular kid, hung out by myself for the most part, and then uh, played music with some kids that I went to school with at a different school. And we just kind of did our things, punk rock. We didn't fit in. We were the weird kids to a certain degree, and, uh, and that was it. Not so much like weird, I guess, or goofy, but uh, I played Magic the Gathering in Pokemon. The other popular kids were mostly playing basketball and football. Go figure. Now imagine if someone came to me and said, the reason you don't fit in with sports, when, I would, when we would play softball in gym, I don't know what I was doing, I would throw the bat, and they would be like, pull it in, everybody, pull it in. 
I remember one time we were playing, uh, uh, we play softball because they didn't play baseball. It was like on an asphalt parking lot. And they would always say, oh, it's Tim. Pull it in. I would never play any of the outfield. I would only ever be catcher. And here's the best part. Whenever there was actually a risk that someone would bring it home, I would back off and the actual kid who was good at sports would step in to catch the ball and actually act as the catcher because they knew I was only catcher because I had to do something. And catcher usually didn't have to do much. I'd catch the softball and throw it back to the pitcher. And then if anyone was running home, the other guy would run in to catch the ball and tag them out. That was it. I didn't cry about it. I didn't care. And I knew this wasn't my thing. I do remember, however, one time they were like, bring it in. It's Tim. And then I cranked that mother mm, straight up. They were so pissed. It happens. I got like one out of a hundred. Usually I would hit like a ground ball catch. I'd be out, but I had to play because it was school. You know what I mean? The point is when I didn't fit in with those kids and didn't want to play those games and I was more interested in playing with Pokemon cards and there were very few other kids in the school who did, I was like the odd kid out and a handful of, of us did. We were like the dorks and the nerds, the AV club kids. I did not say, maybe I'm a woman. I said, I'm going to do my own thing. I believe in myself. I am what I am. I didn't need anybody to tell me. I just said, I don't care for what you do. I'm not going to go drink and smoke with you guys. I'm not going to go play sports. What I see here is an individual who fell into that, then was surrounded by individuals who said, join us and do this thing. And that's it. That's it. For me, I said, I'm right, you're wrong. I know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it well. And so what does that mean? This company that I and you have helped build is unique. We are of an interesting sort of middle of the road, maybe right-leaning, libertarian-leaning perspective. We clearly differ from those that say, like Turning Point USA, when we went there and did the show, here I am wearing my unbuttoned shirt and beanie, and everyone else is wearing suits. We're clearly different, but we're clearly confident. I did not need anyone to tell me what I was. I know what I am. and I know what I want to do. And if I think you're wrong, I'll do whatever I want. And if you want to do your thing, I say, go ahead and do it. I don't care. I'll be over there. But for many of these individuals, they say, I don't know how to lead. So you have two people in my view, an individual like myself who, you know, I got to be honest, I think testosterone may play a role in it. Clearly with the lack of hair, there must be too much of it in my body. At least that's what they claim. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm just headstrong and kind of a dick. Maybe that's the defining factor. I do kind of think that testosterone plays a role in aggressive behavior. So maybe that is the case. But my point is this. When I'm young and not fitting in, I just decide I will find my own way and do my own thing. When these individuals who are maybe less aggressive, more agreeable, or maybe it's lower testosterone, don't fit in, they say, please won't someone tell me what I am and what to do. They hear someone else say, if you experience these things, then you are this. And they say, okay. And I think that's where we are. But we'll just we'll end with this because we're talking about womanhood. So people can probably shout out the question I'm going to ask you right now. OK, but uh, you know that you're a woman. Yes. What is that? <clears throat> uh, so gender is a social thing. It only I don't makes sense. Hear that. What is a woman? What no. is a woman? What is a woman? The word, word woman define in the dictionary. Go. A woman is somebody who is included and respected and seen and participates in society, recognized by other women. If you speak with women. <laughs> so full stop. That would be like saying, uh, what is a blabo? A blabo is an individual who is seen as a blabo by blabo. It is, it, that, that doesn't mean anything. You're basically saying, what is a zombie? A zombie is an individual who has been zombified by other zombies. I will give you the legitimate definition 
because I actually research these things. Of course, Matt Walsh's definition of woman is an adult human female. I believe that is the widely accepted definition by most adult humans and even children. However, to these individuals on the left who seemingly can't actually answer the question, I'm very confused. If we're talking about gender as a social construct and sex as a biological form, then the answer is actually quite simple as to what woman is. A woman is an individual who identifies with the social norms of femininity and of females, whereas a female is an individual with the XX chromosomes and female gametes. That's it. Simply put, there you go, leftists. There is your definition. I don't understand why that's so hard. I'll say it again. A woman is an individual who identifies with female social customs. We're done. Have a nice day. If you were trying to define woman and female separately, that's literally what it is. But these people can't define it because they've not actually looked into what it is they're doing, who they are, and they are clearly followers. Now, if they want to live their life this way, I have no issue. My point is simply, how is it I've done more to research the social issues surrounding these, uh, these, these concepts than the individuals themselves? It's quite obvious. As someone who reads the news and comments on culture, I am actively researching and trying to understand what it is that is being said and, can, and, and bring these ideas into a concise form that a person can understand. Matt Walsh was able to travel around the country speaking with people who could not define the word woman. The whole time I was like, it's kind of hilarious. These people are, in my view, the left, the woke zombies. They can only define themselves as they are told to define it by someone else. And if no one else within their pack can actually define it, they have no definition. Me, I'm looking from the outside. If gender is a social construct, then woman is defined as the social constructs based on female uh, female uh, biology, female social development. There's your answer. But there's more. This will be a long one. We have this video also from Matt Walsh that I need to get to. Both of these have millions of views and require intense commentary. Let me play this video for you. You said you're an EMT. Okay, if you're responding, you're responding to a health emergency. Biological male, somebody with a penis, is, uh, is having a medical emergency. And they say to you, um, I think I'm having a miscarriage. Would you, would you check them to see if they're having a miscarriage? Would you consider that a possibility for them? Shrug. Look. No answer. No answer. No, but... There you go, no. That's because some people don't have body parts. Doesn't mean they're not a woman. It, 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 see, this, therein lies the problem. You know, if I... This is the craziest thing. I, I need to sit down with Matt Walsh. Matt, Matt, we need to get you back on the show. I know you, Matt was supposed to come on. I would love to devil's advocate have a discussion with Matt from these people's own argument, because I can clearly craft it better than they can. I, it's, it's so disappointing. But I think the reality is the reason why I'm more inclined to agree with Matt Walsh is because if you are actually trying to assess the circumstances surrounding these issues, then you would come to a logical conclusion. I believe Matt Walsh can argue their point better than I could. So what I'm saying, like if I sat with Walsh and said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play devil's advocate and argue on their behalf. Matt would do it better than me. Because he knows and he understands what's going on. Okay. <clears throat> Sounds like we've established there are some people who, in principle, can get pregnant. And there are some people who can't. So there's two categories, otherwise known as binary. Lots of women can't get pregnant either. 
Low information argument, which Matt Walsh will destroy. Yeah, but they're still of the nature to get pregnant. The only but reason they can't get pregnant. Yes, but truth they... matters, right? It, it does. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. Truth matters and they can't okay. get pregnant. I... That's the truth. So how are they still women? Because they are <clears throat> for for this for the same reason for the for the same reason that I that I can rightly say that human beings have two legs. And if a person is born with only one leg, that doesn't call into question the statement that human beings have two legs. Okay. Or to, to add to that point, if we say all humans have two legs, we know that some people have lost their legs. The argument then is, well, they're not human then because humans have. To, no, they're a human who lost a leg, which Matt elaborates on. But I think he glazed over that point. Okay. A person being born with one leg doesn't mean that now legs are on a spectrum and we can't say we can't say anything at all about how many legs a person has. Who knows? They could have they could be a centipede. You know, they could have a, they could have a hundred legs. No, we know human beings have two legs. If a human is born without two legs, something went wrong. They were supposed to have that second leg. Something went wrong. If you if you if you meet a person on the street who only has one leg. Maybe, maybe they had an accident. Maybe they were in war. Maybe, maybe, some, you know, maybe they were in a car accident. Maybe they had cancer. A leg was cut off. But you know that something went wrong because of the, by their nature, they're supposed to have two legs. Same thing for a woman. A woman by her nature can get pregnant. A man by his nature never can. So if you meet a woman of childbearing age, say she's 28 years old and she can't get pregnant, you know automatically that something has gone wrong. And she can go to the doctor and find out what that thing is, even if they can't fix it. So... That proves that women by their nature can get pregnant because the simple fact that she can't shows you that there is something wrong. This is what is known as the exception that proves the rule. Whereas if a male with a penis can't get pregnant, no doctor on earth is going to run tests to see what's wrong with him <laughs> because they already know it's that he's a male and there's only male and female, those who can get Hands pregnant and those who can't. So I, Shrug and walk away. I feel bad for these individuals. I feel bad for these people who are being misled. If you are of strong mind, if you are disagreeable, I'll put it this way. Someone comes to me and says, X is true. I say, are you sure, are you sure about that? I, I, I believe Y is true. And uh, I will argue points even if I'm wrong because I'm more confident in myself and I don't trust other people as much. If you are less confident yourself and you have low self-esteem, you're not going to feel like you fit in. You're not going to know what to do, and you're going to be more persuadable. This individual came there, and, 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 and I have respect for the, the, the willingness to speak up to challenge Matt Walsh, probably because people encouraged this person to do so, but clearly without proper tools. You know, I like to practice before doing things. I don't just walk into a music studio and say, all right, let's, let's start singing. I, I, I actually work on the song. I practice extensively. I make sure I have it down the best of my possible abilities, and then I warm up, and then I go in. Or we go in and we do vocal warm-ups and stuff like that. I'm not the greatest singer in the world. My point is, I'm not going to pretend to be. But you know what? I like doing what I do. I think that's the important thing here. Many of these people, they're demure, persuadable, and agreeable. So what happens when they, don't feel, like, when they feel like they don't fit in? Someone comes to them and says, this is your truth. And they say, okay. That's a sad reality. There are many people who are young, many of, many of them are, are autistic, don't know how to fit in, and are told by those who have these ideologies, this will make you fit in. 
and then it condemns them. You know, this, this other individual, and I want to make sure this is clear for both of these individuals. I'm sorry, they're, they're, they don't appear to be women in the sense that if, I, if my view is a woman is an adult human female, they can make the argument that they're women because they have long hair and they're effeminate. Okay, I don't view that as womanhood. However, they do because they view it as a social construct. But they don't appear female, so they can call themselves whatever they want. It's not going to change my perspective, my use of language. This individual is discernibly male. Both of them are. There have been a few people I've seen in my life who I would argue are passing. Ben Shapiro even made this argument that it would be confusing to some if he pointed to Blair White and said he in public because people would see Blair White as female. However, that being said, in my experience, I would say it's probably like 95% of trans women appear to be overtly male, discernibly male. And then maybe about like 70% of trans men appear to be discernibly female. There are some trans men who are, who are I, I believe, convincingly passing. But it's harder for males who tend to be larger with broad shoulders and deeper voices. There are males who are short and squeaky voiced, so, you know. But it can go either way. Ultimately, what I want to say about all of this is, I think the conclusion here with what Matt Walsh has presented with these videos in his speech Both of these individuals don't have strong arguments. They're not thought leaders. They cannot quantify their positions nor argue. I can make the arguments better than they could. And I'm not a leftist. I am not transgender. But I think that's the point. I don't believe there are strong gender ideologically driven individuals who actually are thought leaders. Because if you actually assess the ideology and then bring it to its logical conclusion, you're more likely to agree with Matt Walsh. You wouldn't say the same broken talking points over and over again. You would have an answer to your questions. So let me argue for this person. How do they know that they're a woman? Let me try to articulate some thoughts for you, which may or may not apply. But you could simply say that you were listening to individuals describe womanhood and what it was like to grow up and and feel like a woman. And that resonated more with you than the thought of being male. And so you decided to adopt the social norms and medical and use medical intervention to more align yourself with the experiences that resonate more with you internally. Simply put, a woman is an individual who chooses or experiences the social constructs around female humans. That's it. That's it. Why can't they define it? There you go. I just did it for you. Congratulations. I'll say one last time because I, I just a woman, according to these people, is a person who adopts female social characteristics. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. That's it. So there, I've defined it for them. Of course, I think in the end, as I've stated, the logical conclusion still leads you to Matt Walsh's view of these things. That adopting social characteristics does not change your biological sex. And typically, people will not view you as biologically female. There's a lot more to be said about this. I think there's, there's, a, there's a greater conversation, but I'll leave it there because this one went pretty long. These videos were absolutely fantastic. Matt Walsh is a, is a uh, smart guy. Smart guy. I'd love to have a larger, con- longer conversation with him about all this stuff, too. Well, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. In a move that has Democrats rattled, a North Carolina Democrat is expected to switch parties, and this could have a profound ramification for the region and the state. It could result in the banning of abortion in the state. Axios Rally says, a North Carolina Democratic lawmaker is expected to flip her party affiliation. Multiple Republicans with knowledge of the discussions tell Axios. 
The move would cement Republicans toehold in a fast changing swing state, handing them a veto proof majority in the middle of the legislative session and a clear runway to enact their agenda, despite opposition from Democratic Governor Roy Cooper. Oh, boy. Well, here's what the uh, the crazies are saying. Mark Joseph Stern, this guy is a writer at Slate, so you know he's a cult member. This flip may very well lead to an abortion ban in North Carolina, with Florida on the brink of passing a six-week ban that would choke off all access to legal abortion in the South. He goes on to say, folks saying abortion remains legal in South Carolina, that's probably about to end too. Republicans appointed a new conservative justice to the state Supreme Court, who is likely to uphold the state's revised ban very soon. Now, I wonder why it is a Democrat would quit the Democratic Party. It seems to happen a whole lot. Here's what they say. Republicans who are currently just one seat short of a supermajority in the legislature have been hoping that state rep Trisha uh, Cotham, a Democrat from Charlotte, might switch parties at some point in this session. But the prospect began to seem more realistic last week, a Republican House member said. Cotham is expected to announce her decision Wednesday. House Republicans announced a 9 a.m. press conference Tuesday for a major announcement. Why it matters? Republicans have held majorities in both state, uh, the state House and Senate for more than a decade. But in recent years, the threat of Cooper's veto has kept the party's power in check. A super majority could free up party leaders to more easily push long hoped for legislation, restricting abortion and all but eliminate their need to compromise with the governor on the budget changes to election laws and education reform. This is what conservatives need to consider. This is where we are headed with Donald Trump's indictment with the Supreme Court uh, appointment or election, the the judge's election in Wisconsin. You are heading towards permanent rule by single parties. And you realize that probably means I'm going to say it. I know civil war, because what happens when you have states that are so at odds with each other, their views are inverted. What happens when North Carolina bans abortion outright and Colorado basically says you can have an abortion whenever you want, even up to the point of birth? The worldview of these two factions will diverge to the point where you will end up with war. I mean, simply put, do you think, let me put it this way, because I get so many conservatives being like, oh, it'll never happen. Do you think the left will be satisfied to leave you alone? Simple question. You already know the answer. The answer is no. They already come to rural areas and try and invade your schools and pass their weird cult ideology. So what happens? Let's just put it this way. Let's say in a scale of 10 to negative 10, we have ideology. 10 is, for example, uh, a total ban on abortion, and negative 10 is abortion at any point for any reason up to the point of birth. Do you think Democrats, when viewing what they see as akin to slavery, are they're staring at you think they're going to be like, well, you know, hey, look, that's North Carolina. We're going to mind our own business over. No, they already travel across the country and world for their cult. So they will come to your state. They will infiltrate, destroy an attempt to they will attempt to infiltrate, destroy and then rebuild. That's what they're doing right now. They're doing it in West Virginia. It's funny to me that people are like, no, no, my kid goes to a good school. Oh, spare me, dude, because I see it in MAGA country. Parents don't pay attention and the cult is tenacious and they're working very hard. Education reform, they say. 
Cotham didn't respond to Axios's request for comment. So it's not clear what's driving her consideration to switch. I don't know. Maybe it's that Democrats are nuts. They're indicting Trump. Who wants to be involved with that? One possible factor, though, is that Cotham recently skipped a vote to override Cooper's veto of Republican sponsored legislation, relaxing some gun laws, handing Republicans the votes they needed to usher the bill into law. That set into motion a cascade of blowback against Cotham, driven by Democrats criticizing her for not showing. Rep. Cecile Brockman, who was also a moderate Democrat, told the News and Observer he doesn't blame Cotham and said he thought the reaction from Democrats drove her to switch parties. I think she just wanted to do what's best for her district. And when you're constantly talked about and trashed, especially the way we have been over the past few weeks, I think this is what happens, Brockham said. Democratic House Minority Leader Rep. Robert Reeves called for Cotham to resign in a press release Tuesday afternoon. Oh, boy. Maybe this is it. Maybe we will see more and more individuals abandon the Democrats as they continually lose their minds. So what happens? They're trying to basically ban guns across the country. They're insane. That's it. I don't care what you think about them. I don't care what Ian says on Tim Castile. He's like, we got to bring people together. Dude, we had um, Stephen Marsh on the show. He is a multicultural, democratic, liberal leftist, I guess you'd call it. He blames the right for a lot of the Civil War stuff, but he does think a civil war is coming. And I asked him a simple question. Would you be willing to compromise to avert crisis? And he's like, yes, of course. I said, OK, so uh, would you be willing to give up in say, Canada universal health care if it meant we stop fighting? And he said, no, absolutely not. And I said, you see, well, we're at an impasse. And he understands. He is unwilling to give up Canada's health care plan if it means ending the conflict. That is to say, you and I both know there will never, never be a time where you or I agree children should get sex changes for any reason. They come to the table and they say, we want to avoid a civil war. Here's our proposal. We will um, agree with some of the voting law changes if you accept children getting sex changes. Not a single conservative would agree to that. They'd say no. And they would be like, well, I mean, we have to negotiate, right? We have to compromise to avoid war. No, they're not going to do it. It will never happen. So this is what we're seeing. Perhaps what will happen is as the news spreads, and I think it is, and people like Bill Maher start to wake up to what these Democrats are doing, you may actually get someone like Bill Maher in 2024 say he's voting Republican. Now, here's an interesting point. I I like Trump more than DeSantis for president, but there is something to be said about this. Bill Maher, in my opinion, would consider voting for Ron DeSantis. Maybe not right now. Maybe you don't believe it, but he would never vote Trump. He wouldn't vote Trump because of his ego and because of his Trump derangement syndrome. But I do believe many viewers of Real Time with Bill Maher would likely consider voting for Ron DeSantis, which brings up the question of electability. Now, Donald Trump, I think, if an election were held today, would probably win because the economy is so awful. However, the media going after him like crazy, Ron DeSantis is a clean slate. Now, I don't think Ron DeSantis gets in there and does what needs to be done. I don't think he fires everybody. I think he just plays. He plays the game. You know, we'll get some victories. The question is this. Is it better to win with Ron DeSantis, a small victory, or lose with Donald Trump going for the harder pitch? I'm not going to tell you, you know, what, who you should vote for, whatever. 
We'll see who wins the primary. Right now, I favor Donald Trump because of his tenacity. I do not believe Ron DeSantis has that same degree. And I don't believe Ron DeSantis will go in and fire the people who need to be fired. That being said, I've talked to regular people and they've lost it. I'm wondering if a Ron DeSantis victory can get us over that line to start to solve the problems and be that snowball rolling down a hill that Donald Trump could not be. Donald Trump is the bull slamming through the doors. Ron DeSantis is the start of a snowball rolling down a hill. Therein lies the deep challenge. A, a, a North Carolina Democrat probably will switch parties, but would they actively support Donald Trump? Probably not because they're moderates. They know that the people in their district will likely vote for someone like them, whether they're Democrat or Republican or not, but not if they're on board with Donald Trump. So I don't know for sure. This person, this, this uh, uh, Democrat may be betting on picking up new voters who are Trump supporters who are going to say, you made the right move switching parties, and thus we will now vote for you. Or maybe they're just saying, I can't do this anymore. The Democrats have lost their minds. They're in favor of abortion with no limits. They're sterilizing and castrating children. Something needs to be done. Maybe it's not all about ballot harvesting. I think it's mostly. Maybe a a large component is we need to be lobbying moderate Democrats to quit the Democratic Party. We need to create a path for these Democrats to safely say my future lies with someone else then marginalize the Democrats to the point where they don't matter politically. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6.30 on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. So uh, I'm assuming you've all seen Kid Rock fire a fully automatic rifle at a bunch of Bud Light. Uh, Well, here's the story. Bud Light partnered with a trans influencer and defended its efforts to authentically connect with diverse groups of people after anti-trans backlash. From time to time, We produce unique commemorative cans for fans and for brand influencers like Dylan Mulvaney. How is Dylan Mulvaney, a a, a histrionic, narcissistic sociopath, in any way representative of people who drink beer? The funny thing is, Dylan Mulvaney even said they had no idea about what March Madness was or why Bud Light mattered. But sure, whatever. That's the story, I guess. I'm not super concerned in talking about Dylan Mulvaney, I suppose. It's ancillary. But uh, Kid Rock recently made a video where he says Grandpa's feeling a little frisky. He then takes the rifle and just unloads on a bunch of Bud Light. You guys want to play this game? We can play this game. All right, conservatives. Let me pull up this tweet here. This is from Florida Girl 0850 on uh, Twitter. Florida Girl was retweeted by Dana Lash, and she said, We just refused our Bud Light orders for my liquor store. We are pulling it from our shelves. We are not the only ones, according to our reps. They said it's bad. I'm not surprised. But is that all? Is that all you're willing to do? Anheuser-Busch owns Budweiser. So how about instead of Bud Light, you get rid of any and all Anheuser-Busch products? Take them out back, throw in a dumpster. Or, I mean, look, if you don't want to lose money for your business, I understand it's hard. Put them on bargain bin sale, say at cost, because once they're gone, they ain't never coming back. I mean, me personally, I throw them in the trash and just get rid of them. But uh, I'm glad to see that uh, the rep said it's bad. Bud Light, you should absolutely get rid of. And uh, I'm done playing games. I remember back in the day I said, I don't care about boycotts. It's silly. Not anymore. Now I want to ramp it up tenfold. So Florida girl and anybody else, here's what you do. Any Anheuser-Busch product out of your stores, your restaurant, your bar, get them out. And you don't even got to think twice. 
because I know a bunch of bars and a bunch of places that don't even serve any of their products. Let me uh, let me do a quick Google search on some of these. Let's do uh, let's uh, what's a, oh, here's one that people like. Let's say uh, let's do this. Who owns Blue Moon Brewing Company? Miller Coors. Well, there we go. Blue Moon's great. Everybody likes the Blue Moon. I like, I'm not a big drinker. I don't drink a lot of beer. I like Blue Moon. It's good. What do you do? You put an orange slice in it? Okay, so you're good there. What about, uh, you know, Guinness? Who cares about Anheuser-Busch? Guinness owns Guinness. There you go, everybody. It's time to start boycotting these products. I personally don't have a Netflix account. I personally don't have a Disney Plus account. I don't drink garbage piss water as it is. And I don't drink beer for the most part. So me... There's not much I can do when it comes to uh, Budweiser or Bud Light. I do think it's funny, though, because some some lady tweeted, we're never going to drink Bud Light again. From here on out, it's Budweiser and Coors. And it's like, yeah, uh, Bud Light is Budweiser. OK, come on. It's like the same thing. Just one is garbage and the other is just kind of garbage. So sure. You know what? I got to be honest, though, as an aside, I've never quite understood why people drank Miller or Budweiser because I've always viewed them as just like garbage beer. That's just me. You know, I've never been a big drinker. But uh, when I go out, you think about like a Guinness. It's a very unique thing. What is a Guinness? Like a stout. It's like thick. It's almost creamy in essence. And uh, you take a look at some other beers. I mean, Old English, a dark. Uh, um, take, take a look at uh, Heineken, you know, nice import. I look at those and I'm like, these are good. Miller and Coors, uh, 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 Miller and, and Budweiser, I'm sorry, have always been garbage. Like, here's the thing. You go to a party, you want to get drunk. They have like Natty Light. Or they've got like uh, uh, Bud Light or, you know, what's the, what's, what's the other one? What's the, they're just a whole bunch of these generic garbage bargain bin beers that taste like water, but they get you drunk. And then I would see people at bars with like a Budweiser or a Miller, and I'm like, why are you drinking that? PBR is big in Chicago. So, so Kid Rock's mad about this. Here's what I think. I think they don't care. Here, here's the quote from Dylan Mulvaney. I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but turns out it has something to do with sports. She jokes in the video, I'm not exactly sure which sport, but either way, it's cause to celebrate. I love it. Not only did they try to do a March Madness commercial, but they intentionally insult the fans of March Madness. I think it's hilarious. I just, I just, I just love it. So are they really trying to make money by doing this? Here's what I think. The reason they do this here, uh, let me show you a response to Florida Girl. This guy, Vote for Pedro, says, I have two friends that are bar lounge owners that have done the same. Uh, people saying, just not Bud Light one at all. One person's great question, which I believe should extend in full to the entire product lineup. Anheuser-Busch is a corporation that took an astonishing decision and hope they realize it sooner rather than later. Okay. Here's what you need to do right now. Stop buying any Anheuser-Busch product. Tell your friends not to buy any Anheuser-Busch product. And you don't even got to tell them why. Here's what you do. You go out to drink with some friends. And if one of your buddies like, I'm going to get a Bud Light or I'm going to get a Budweiser or I'm going to get Bush or whatever, just be like, no, 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 no. You should really try this other beer. Check this one out. This, uh, try, try the Blue Moon. Have you ever had, tried this one instead? Because here's what needs to happen. Anheuser-Busch in the next month will be going over their sales. Right now, the stock is in likely surplus. Liquor stores already have their orders in. We're entering a new month. This just happened. What needs to happen is at the end of the month, they need to see a market decrease in sales to an extreme degree. If everybody who goes to the bar 
everybody who goes to the liquor store, does not buy their products and opts for an import or something else instead, they will see it and they will feel it and they'll get scared. And what you need to invoke is an apology. It's not, it's not just about them saying we're going to weather this storm and feeling pain. It's about them seeing such a dramatic drop in sales that they beg for your forgiveness. That's what must happen. So here's what you do. Got a poker game coming up? Okay. Opt to be the person. Say, hey, I'll go pick up the beers and then choose a different company, Miller. In fact, let's make it so that Miller sees their sales go through the roof. Choose a different brand. Be the volunteer to do it. Go into a party, buy the beer and buy a different brand. Going out with friends to eat or drink. If your friends are even slightly politically minded, remind them of this and say, just don't order their products. The end of the month, the bars will say, we couldn't sell any of your product. We don't need to order anymore. It's sitting on the shelves. Budweiser will then be like a 10% drop in sales from this campaign. Whoops, we better not do it again. But if you get a big enough boycott, they'll actually say, this will take a couple months. They'll actually say, we better apologize. Otherwise, we are in trouble. I'll tell you what, though. Let's see. Let me, I'm going to do this. I'm going to look up the, uh, the, in real time, we'll do this. Pulling up uh, some stock apps, and I'll look up uh, Anheuser-Busch. Are they publicly uh, traded? Anheuser-Busch beverage. Trading at $66 per share is down a little bit. Uh, overall, over the past month, they're up 8%. This is really, really good. Oh, man, over the past three months, they're up 10%. Wow, talk about a good investment. Here's what happens. If their sales drop and they issue a report at the end of a quarter saying we saw a market decline in sales over the double digits in percentage wise, then their stock drops. That sends a tremendous message to this to this company. And that's what the activism is all about. I'm not telling you to buy or sell or anything like that. I'm just saying that's what will move the needle. So it won't be until like uh, the end of the quarter, which is not going to be till what, August or so? What are we looking at? We got, uh, no, it's going to be uh, probably end of June into July, I think, will be the end of the second quarter. And when their sales are in such decline that the shareholders meeting, they're going to be like, what happened? They're going to say, well, we decided to sign an influencer who's a narcissistic, histrionic individual who is deeply offensive and divisive, and uh, people stopped buying our drinks. And they're going to be like, why would you do that? Why would you hire this person? Kid Rock, you know, he shot up a lot of these cans. That matters because Kid Rock has fans. Kid Rock needs to do more than just shoot him up. He needs to say to all his fans, we will never serve an Anheuser-Busch product at my events ever again, nor will I. And you should never buy from them ever again. However, if Anheuser-Busch issues an apology, the first thing I will go, I will do is I will go out and I will buy five cases and we will stock our fridge for our guests if they issue an apology and retract this. Because I always believe in giving a path to redemption. But so long as they don't, stop buying their products. End of story. And let the left whine and complain about it. I'm done playing these games. I will make sure that we never buy from anything associated with them ever again. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Not that we do a whole lot anyway. We like supporting local breweries, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.